Today, let's start with the first reading. The first reading is from Job, and it's not a happy reading. It begins as such. Is not man's life on earth nothing more than pressed service? His time no better than hired drudgery? Like the slave sighing for the shade, or the workman with no thought but his wages, months of delusion I have assigned to me, nothing for my own but nights of grief. Lying in bed I wonder, when will it be day? Risen, I think, how slowly evening comes, restlessly I fret till twilight falls. Remember that my life is but a breath, and that my eyes will never again see joy. That seems like a pretty depressing reading at first glance, and, I mean, it brings home a truth. Uh, for most of us, much of our life is suffering. Uh, it's drudgery. It's labor. And the moments of joy are intermittent. You know? And... Where does God fit in all of this? How is this all going to work? What does this mean for us? Now, if we read over the psalm, it says something a little bit different, but it all ties in in the end, you'll see. Praise the Lord, for he is good. Sing to our God, for he is loving. To him our praises due. The Lord builds up Jerusalem and brings back Israel's exiles. He heals the brokenhearted. He binds up their wounds. He fixes the number of the stars, and he calls each one by its name. Our Lord is great and almighty. His wisdom can never be measured. The Lord raises the lowly. He humbles the wicked to the dust. So it's that center part that I wanted to look at in the psalm. The Lord builds up Jerusalem and brings back Israel's exiles. He heals the brokenhearted. He binds up all their wounds, that God will, will heal, that he will heal you of the agony, the drudgery, the angst of life. He fixes the number of the stars. He calls each one by its name. Where does that come from? It means that he's omniscient, that he knows, that he plans, that he, he knows your name. He knows every little detail. He knows your life. He knows your headaches. He knows your pains. He knows your distress. And he comes in the midst. Now, when we hit the gospel, it's going to begin with a healing. Now, before we get there, though, it's important to note that God, he does heal. And he's come to heal. And now, when we're looking at it, how does he heal? What does he heal? That he is the physician, and he certainly does want to heal us. He wants to do a more radical healing where everything in us is at peace and in love and where all is good. But in on this earth, we cannot escape the cross. So how does he do that on this earth? Well, on this earth, his cross gives meaning and beauty to even the drudgery. The drudgery, the 
terrible aspects of life become filled with a meaningful love and the gift of our lives when we conform our life to Christ. When the Spirit lives within us, we begin to see meaning. And ultimately, when we cross the shores and make it to the other side, he will even heal our very bodies and souls. So the ultimate healing will only truly take place in heaven, but on this earth, he does bring about a certain degree of healing. He is very attentive, but the ultimate healing on this earth is going to be found in uniting our hearts to the cross and offering our lives as a living sacrifice to the Father by allowing our lives to become love and an offering of love. Now let's come back to the gospel. On leaving the synagogue, Jesus went with James and John straight to the house of Simon and Andrew. Now Simon's mother-in-law had gone. So Simon had a mother-in-law, which means he was married. That's already important. Now Simon's mother-in-law had gone to bed with fever, and they told him about her straight away. She has a fever. It doesn't seem to be an illness that leads to death, but it seems that it's an illness that prevents her from hospitality, prevents her from uh, receiving everyone. Also note, where is Simon's wife? She should be here welcoming, but she's not. St. Jerome will think because of that that she had already passed away and that Simon is a widow. But it seems that she would be in scripture somewhere, at least a mention, but we don't find her. So perhaps she had already died. Now, with the mother-in-law, Jesus notices it right away, and he comes to help her. He went to her, took her, hand, uh, took her by the hand, and helped her up. And the fever left her, and she began to wait on them. He takes her by the hand, notices by his touch, and it opens her up to be able to serve and to be there, you know, to be hospitable, to be a welcome. And it's nice because Jesus here, he uh, heals in a little healing. It's not the main healing that we find, like the resurrection of Lazarus, not these huge ones. This is a simple healing. But the Lord knows even the little details. And he comes and he allows her to flourish, to flower. And the Lord comes to us. May he come now. It goes on, the gospel goes on. That evening after sunset, they brought to him all who were sick and those who were possessed by devils. The whole town came crowding round the door. He cured many who were suffering from diseases of one kind or another. He also cast out many devils but he would not allow them to speak because they knew who he was. Why do the demons know who he is? Probably because they know scripture very well and they can read it. They can see all the indications by the miracles he's doing and by the way he's preaching. Probably also because they knew him from all eternity as the word. So they knew him in the judgment that was laid upon them. They knew him in their creation. So they're recognizing him. So they know him, and they're crying out. But note that Jesus doesn't want them to speak, and that's an obvious reason why they don't want. He doesn't want them to speak is because Jesus will, little by little, lay out who he is 
through his ministry. And if they speak too soon, he'll be crucified too soon. He'll be condemned too soon. And no one will listen to him. And they'll not learn the depth of his message of who he is. So they have to be silenced. So that in the end, when he finally reveals, those who are receptive will be receptive. Now, he doesn't, Jesus doesn't um, heal everybody. In this case, for the moment, he's healing everyone that's coming to him. And he is a great healer. But it reads as we go along, In the morning, long before dawn, he got up and left the house and went off to a lonely place and prayed there. Note, he prayed. He began his day with prayer. He's always praying before he goes into ministry. He also prays at the end of the day. It's either late at night or early in the morning. And for those that are moms or dads and are busy all day long, late at night or early in the morning. Simon and his companions set out in search of him, and they found him and said, everybody is looking for you. But note that he doesn't continue healing them. He says, let us go elsewhere to the neighboring country towns so that I could preach there too, because that is why I came. Note That's a really important point. He didn't come just to heal everybody on this earth, but he did come in order that all might know the good news, that even their drudgery, even their inner suffering, the suffering of daily life is transformed in Christ and everything becomes meaningful. Little Flower grasps this really well in her little way when she says even the picking up of the piece of paper if done with great love is meritorious and beautiful. Now, let us offer our lives in love conformed to Christ. Now, furthermore, he says he's going out to preach the good news, to preach to all those who haven't heard. And he goes from synagogue to synagogue healing and and casting out demons. It reminds me of the second reading in 1 Corinthians 9, where St. Paul speaks about the necessity that's placed upon him to preach the good news. I do not boast of preaching the gospel, he says, since it is a duty that has been laid upon me. I should be punished if I did not preach. If I had, if I had chosen to work myself, the, had chosen this work myself, I might have been paid for it, but I have not. It is my responsibility which has been put into my hands. It is a responsibility which has been put in my hands. Do you know what is my reward? It is this, in my preaching, to be able to offer the good news free and not insist on the rights which the gospel gives me. And that's excellent. And it's this mission that had been given to St. Paul to go out and preach the good news. We are all missionary disciples called to live of his grace, to receive the healing that we need in order to be filled with meaning as we lay out our lives as a living sacrifice, as we lay out our lives for our brothers and sisters in the daily work that is given to us. And in doing that, we are called to give testimony, to preach the good news. And so let it be. Let it be that in our parish, we renew by giving testimony to his word 
giving testimony to what God has done in our life, to the healing that he has brought to us, to the meaning that we find in the love to which we are called. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen.